You are listening to Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, I am, wow. So I sit in the front row, so basically I don't see you guys until I come up here, and you guys look good. And there's a lot of you. <laughs> you just got that, like, gut check of nervousness. <laughs> um, but I just want you guys to know that uh, I am thrilled to be here today because I love you guys. Um, the Lord often, I think that the Lord speaks to all of us in different ways. Some of you guys, you know, the Lord speaks to you in dreams. Sometimes the Lord speaks to you through other people or through your children. There's a lot of different ways that the Lord can speak to us, but the Lord has been very good to me and he speaks to me often in my first waking moments. And I think it's just ironic. He's trying to redeem the thing I hate the most about my life is that moment when I first wake up. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, no, like just so sad about it because I'm not a morning person. But he's been redeeming those moments because in those moments, I'm the most inspired, quite frankly. Um, He often gives me very specific things to pray for. Um, He gives me very specific images of um, creative ideas. I'm a part of the creative team here. So a lot of the lobby displays have been deposited into my mind, I think, while I sleep. And so when I wake up, I sketch them out real quick. Like, that's how the Lord speaks to me. Well, this morning, he spoke to me. Um, I believe he was speaking to me. And when I woke up, I just started seeing your faces. Um, I just started seeing the faces of different people who worship in this house. And it was weird at first, like literally just kind of faces. Have you ever seen the movie like Monsters, Inc. when the doors are just going? It was like faces just kind of moving past my vision, my spiritual vision. And I'm just laying there in the dark. And so, uh, and it was way earlier than my alarm, Um, which the Lord and I will deal with that later. But (laughs) But I was just laying there in bed like, okay, Lord, let's do this. So as your face came, I just started praying over you. Um, And it was awkward because a lot of the faces that came before me, I don't know your names, and I don't know your situations, but I tell you, the Lord just started to fill me up with such a love for this house. So then I haven't been able to really stop crying (laughs) since I've been in here because I am in love with this house, and I am in love with the people in it, and it is my desire to serve you today, and I am so thrilled that I get to do this. There's not much... There's not much you can do to earn things like getting to speak in front of people. And so I am undeserving. But man, I am grateful. I am grateful. And so just know today that if you have felt um, maybe unseen or unloved, just know the Lord might be putting your face in someone's dreams. You are absolutely seen. And you are prayed for. You are contended for. You are considered And so I think that the Lord also, I want to pray for specifically for somebody in here. And as as Chad was coming up here, I was just like getting so pumped. Because the thing is, is what we do here in church is quite miraculous. Okay, what we do here in church is not like, it's not social club stuff. Like we're not in here to leave feeling good. There are literal spiritual chains being broken in the house. And so when I get that in my imagination, my spiritual imagination, I just kind of get a little... Like, I don't even know. Like, I, I'm not, like, chill. Like, that's not my method, right? It's not my mode. And so I just get really pumped because there are spiritual things being broken off of people that maybe other people might have been put, but might have put on you. And I want to pray specifically for people in the house or people watching online where if you have felt like you didn't quite fit in the house, 
the house being the place of God, the, the people of God. If you didn't quite fit, maybe you feel like, oh man, that's what Candace looks like. I don't quite look or sound like Candace or Carrie or Andrew, or you're like comparing yourself maybe to the people on the stage, or you're comparing yourself to the people and you feel like, man, I don't really compare. I don't, I don't look the same. We don't sound the same. I haven't been in the same situations. Or maybe it's because somebody has told you you're not their type. And that has become the script for why you discount yourself in a lot of different areas. I really do believe that the Lord wants to kind of, um, just like a whiteboard eraser, just wants to erase that script so that you, don't, you can't use it anymore. You don't get to say, um, I don't fit, I don't belong, I'm not their type. You don't get to say that. Because the Lord has reminded me today that you're exactly his type. You are exactly the kind of person that he is longing to use. You are the, exactly the type of person that's needed in this house. Okay, and so if that's you, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but I'm just going to pray for us right now as a church that we would know really confidently, even if we don't feel it, because I walk in here sometimes and I feel like I don't fit. I'm on staff, (laughs) and I feel like I don't fit sometimes, and so I know the feeling. I know the wrestling. I know that the voice of the enemy will do. And so I walk in here and I say, no, sir, I'm going to say yes to my Jesus. He says I fit. He actually paid the price so that I can fit. And he's gonna, he's gonna, he paid the price so that I can say no to the enemy who says that I don't fit. And so if that's you right now, we're going to pray. You ready? (laughs) Got a little fiery. (laughs) So I'm going to pray. So Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have paid the price for us, that we all get to be covered by your blood, that when you look at us, God, you see your righteousness. You see your sacrifice. You see the one that you loved, that you died for, that you're claiming as yours. My Lord, I pray, God, for forgiveness in the house for those who maybe have spoke ill over us. My God, over our parents, Lord, we pray for forgiveness. I pray for reconciliation, Lord, that those who maybe, for even exes, Lord, as we've dated, and that's been horrible, and it's kind of left us scarred. My God, would there be healing on how we think of ourselves, God, that we would see ourselves the way that you see us, and it would not be marked by any other thing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I'm grateful to be here. You guys can clap. So we are in the middle of a series, Pastor Andrew started it last week, and it's called Taking Territory. And I just woke up, um, or actually this whole time I've been practicing and and preparing and, and working on, I just know that I have much to learn. And that's a humbling thing to come in and be the one to teach, but be the one who's like, this is a lesson for me. Like, I just have been speaking it over myself. Like, I am learning this as well. And so what I know about the faith is that there are lessons we need to hear 12,000 times. And so let this be a count in your 12,000 times of learning this lesson of how to pray. Okay, we're going to talk about prayer today. We're going to continue talking about prayer. And what I know is that no matter where you are in the the kind of uh, the mountain from the bottom to the top, I know nobody's at the mountaintop. I know that there are, there are areas that we can all grow in. There are areas we can take to continue to grow. And that that growth is taking territory. Okay, so we're a people, we want to take territory, we want to grow, and I believe that um, there's room for all of us to grow. You guys were given a card, or most of you guys were given a card. Um, some of your cards are white, some of you guys are special, and you got the colored, um, the color, there's like yellow, blue, there's different colored cards. If you didn't get a card, you need one, or you need a piece of paper that you're not going to lose when you leave. 
Okay, so if you didn't get one, um, we're going to use this at the very end of the service. So don't use this to take notes. Don't use this to uh, distract your kids. <laughs> I hear them in there. Give them the bulletin, you know, give them connection cards. They can scratch on those. These are for you to use later in the service, okay? If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand, and um, our amazing team will come and give you a card. Yeah, we need one. A couple in the back. or Here we are in the port. Okay. Look at the hands raised. Give them a card. If you didn't, and if you end up not having a card, you can just take a note in your phone. It works, praise the Lord, okay? We're going to take notes later, and it's just going to be a little, uh, just a little practice, okay? Because I believe that we're in a season of territory, which means we, we shift from being learners to doers, right? We, we, we hear the thing, and as we take territory, that means we took what we learned, we took what we heard, and we go and do something about it, Amen. And so today we're going to talk about prayer, which means you're going to leave with a list of people to pray for, and you're going to go pray for them. Easy, right? Done. That's the, that's the end result. That's where we're heading. So let's, um, let's just know that we're getting there together. Taking territory means I have this zone that's mine. I have a property. We live on a house on Grangeville. It's our zone. I don't assume that my neighbor's house is my house, right? It's not my territory. But in the kingdom world, we are called to the whole world. So there is no territory outside of what we're called to. So there's no, um, there's no situation, there's no system, there's no demographic that we are not called to reach. So as a people, when we're taking territory, it's because we don't got it all. We haven't claimed all of the territory for the kingdom yet. So there's work to be done. And one of the main tools that we use to reclaim territory for the kingdom of God is prayer. And we neglect this tool all of the time, okay? I want to be a house who knows how to pray, okay? When I say house, when we say house up here, it just talks about church, okay? Jesus, um, a, a lot of times in scripture, the church is, is talked about like a family. It's talked about like a house, the house of God. And so last week, Pastor Andrew taught us about being a house of prayer. He taught us that a house of prayer is where the church prays together, I think sometimes we can get in our mind that, like, I don't need other people. I'll just be by myself. No, our togetherness is actually a part of the plan of God. Okay, it's very intentional, the work that the Lord has done, and we don't get to just change the rules, period. Number two, um, Pastor Andrew taught us a house of prayer is a house where prayer is essential. That means it's part of, like, the primary thing that we're aiming for. Like, if you're, if you're really goal-oriented, you put the stuff that is, like, life or death at the top of the list so that you can get to the extra stuff later. Prayer is essential. And so you can feel that in our services. You can feel that in our calendar of events because we place prayer as a premium because we put it at, um, it's like an earmark throughout the service. This is why we pause and pray so often because we believe it's essential. We can say a lot of things, we can be impressive in a certain way, we can be productive in a certain way, but man, we know that without prayer, it might all fall dead. But we know and trust that with prayer, um, the things that we say actually go farther, okay? And so we, we put a premium on prayer, it's essential for us, so you'll feel this, I'm like, uh, we just might stop a million times during the middle of this message, we, we gotta pray again, right? That's okay, because prayer is essential, and as a person, when you're with your family, man, when you're having a hard time, if prayer is essential, then when something comes up, you're like, man, what should we do? You know what you should do? Pray. And you don't have to do it out loud, but you can. And what a thing to teach your family. Like, hey, you know what? I don't know what to do. Let's just pray real quick. Like, how many guys, I, I, there's so many moments where I don't know what to do. So many moments where I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is unique. I've never been in this situation before. Just pray. Because then we are connected to heaven. Um, that's where all the answers are. Being a house of prayer, um, 
it's uh, being a house with all types of prayer. Okay? Pastor Andrew taught us about supplication, intercession, and praying with authority, and it was so good. Okay, if you did not listen to that message, you might want to go back. It's always on YouTube and the Church Center app, and you can always find it. Um, how many guys like to dance? Amen. I heard it. Yes, some people like to dance. I like to dance. I think it's really fun. I think I was made to dance. The Lord has gifted me. Not that I'm a good dancer. Okay, that does, that's over here. But I love it. I'm over here in the love category only. We're not talking skill set. But I really do love to dance. If you invite me to your wedding, it is my promise and my duty to you to make sure that your dance party at your wedding is amazing, okay? I'll be the first one on the floor and the last one to leave. You're welcome. Like, I just really believe in celebrating with dance. I love it. And it's really fun to me to watch people who maybe are not as comfortable with dancing because they kind of have a move. They got a move, okay? And so sometimes people got, like, this is their move. They're just like, this is, this is where they live. Yep, some people are giving me, yeah, so I'm not going to talk about my husband, but... <laughs> He kind of has a move, right? <laughs> this is kind of where it lives, and it's fine. It's beautiful. It works. And then sometimes the song changes, and then the move doesn't. This is, this is, this is the move. And it's like, doesn't matter what the song is. And I'm over here, and I'm like, I know how to do a do si do And then I'm over here, and I know how to do the one-two step. You know, like, you can, you, I can, there's different dances, different moves for different genres. And I love that about dance. I love looking at ballet, hip-hop. I love all of it, right? Um, and I do think that sometimes if you don't have a great enough repertoire of dance moves, you might feel like, man, that dance floor is not for me. I don't want to do that because that's embarrassing because they switch the songs and all of a sudden everybody's doing a thing. And like, you guys all know this dance and then you just feel like you have to get off the floor. Right? Have you guys ever been that way? Like, I don't know the dance. I got I to gotta go sit down. <laughs> I'm going to get a drink. I'm just a little thirsty. Sometimes I think that when it comes to prayer, we have one move. We know how to pray over our food, right? Or we know how to pray before bed. There's some, there's some things that actually as a culture, as a community, we are, we're pretty adequately trained on. We know how to do that. But that's our one move, okay? We're here. And sometimes the genre of the day, the tone of the day, the course of the day, the need of the day is actually for something a little bit more dynamic, and in step with the Holy Spirit. And he is calling us to learn a couple extra steps. A couple, um, we're, he's calling us to be a bit more sophisticated on our ability to pray so that it hits the note right on par. Okay? And so there are certain things that he's wanting us to pray for. And we're over here doing our, you know, our little bit of thing. Like, I, uh, if it's not a meal, God, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't really know how to pray for steak. You know? And he's over here. He's like, oh, you need to pray for cities. And you're like, I don't know how to do that, God. It's about meals. And he's calling us to learn another way, an additional way. And I believe that if you have been in a place where you only pray for your food, I'm not talking trash about that. I love that people pray for their food. That's great. Okay, blessing our food. I'm glad our food is blessed, right? It's not a negative, but I believe that there's more. And I want us to be hungry for more. I want us to be on the dance floor the whole time, right? I want us to not feel like we have to be out because we haven't learned this step. I believe that we can be a people who know how to intercede. We know how to contend. We know how to intervene. We know how to pray against the, the gates of hell. We know how to pray for healing. We know how to pray blessings. Like we are people who know how to pray for whatever the given moment may be, right? That's who we can be where it doesn't matter the situation. I know how to pray in this one. Okay? How many of you guys want to be a people of prayer?
Raise your hand. This is, not a, this is not a hypothetical. Raise your hand if you want to be a people of prayer. My hand is up. I want to be a people of prayer, so let's pray right now. My God, I pray right now that you, like a Holy Spirit flood, would just flood into this room, that you inspire every single one of us, that you would wipe away our fears, our anxieties, our, our sense of control. My God, would you help us to know that there is more for us in prayer. We can grow today, and the gates of hell will be pushed back because we grew today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. We're going to do it. Here we go. I think that one of the reasons why we stay bad at prayer is because nobody gets to see it. And we are a people where we feel really good about stuff because other people told us that we can feel really good about that. Okay? And so people can tell when you read your Bible. Like, I actually can tell when you all read your Bible because we're all in Bible apps together. I see your check marks, uh, you know, like we can, we, we started to monet, we started not necessarily monetize, but celebratize uh, reading the Bible where now I can see how many like streaks you have for re- like, that's really rewarding to me. Not going to lie. I get super mad when my Wi-Fi is busted and I don't get my streak for reading the Bible. I'm mad about it. <laughs> like so mad because I'm getting this reward that has nothing to do with the Lord. Okay? And we do this with all sorts of stuff, okay? Coming to church, I feel like we get a little reward. Like I saw the people, they saw me, you know, we get a little reward. There's a little reward. It's really hard to get rewarded for prayer unless you're doing it in a mic, which is really like the bottom version, right? Like when you pray as a people, it doesn't start or even end at the microphone. But it's really hard to see, so we neglect it. There's this corner in my house where, like, you have to walk all the way to the front of my house to see, and nobody ever goes there. So that's where I put all my junk. <laughs> when I come home from a party or, like, I got my event box or whatever, I just, it just goes in that pile. And I could have three or four boxes there before I finally am like, oh, man, I better deal with the pile. You know why? Because nobody goes there. And when somebody starts to, you guys got a pile? Anybody got a pile? Um, I got a pile in my bathroom. I got, you know, I got these little piles that nobody sees, praise God. And so I can just leave it there unattended. Hallelujah. And the other day, someone was going towards the front, and I was like, where are you going? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) You're going to see my pile. Man, what what would it be like for us to really, you know, personify our our amount of prayers? If it was able to be read, we might be praying more often. And the reality is the Lord knows. And he still loves you even if your prayer tank is empty. But the reality of the work that we have to do, we need you. We need you to be a good prayer. We need you to be a faithful prayer because there are souls waiting for your prayers. There are dreams you need to have that are substantiated by prayer times that have the faces of people in it. So when you pray for that person, their life is saved. Because your prayers matter. Your prayers absolutely matter. And we don't need to be rewarded by outside things. We just need to be rewarded by the Father. And when we go to him and we pray, we don't always feel the reward. This is where it comes, this is where faith comes in. Faith exists because you don't get it, you don't have something solid. Otherwise, we wouldn't be a people of faith. We'd be a people of Solid things. I don't even know what the opposite. You know, we would be people who know, right? We're people of faith because we operate in unseen territory. Okay? So I can know that I can go and I can pray, and even if I feel like nothing happened, I can trust 
God and what his word says. And his word says that my prayers move mountains. Okay? So I can pray that way. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go. So um, I want to invite you real quick to a prayer time that we have. It's, um, we've been praying on Friday mornings at 6.30. And I joke about it as often as I can because um, I really hate mornings. But it is a sweet time, let me tell you. It is a sweet time. And we just started this last week a Thursday evening prayer time for those of us, amen, hallelujah, who can't make it in the morning, who just can't be there in the morning. Um, I am present but not there most of the time. So Thursday nights, um, 6.30, if you want, you can join us in prayer. And here, can I just give a little tidbit? If you were there Thursday night, way to go. I love you, but here's what I learned, okay? The people on Friday mornings, we've been kind of praying for a time. We've been pushing for a time. Pastor Andrew and Pastor Chad, especially Pastor Chad, he gets mad at us sometimes in Friday prayer. He's like, y'all better pray. He just starts yelling at us. <laughs> He's like, these people are going to pray. He just starts like, no, everybody stand up. You know, he just starts getting all frustrated. It's wonderful. He's, we've been getting pushed in our skill for prayer. We're getting pushed. Okay? And then we did on Thursday morning or Thursday evening, and I was like, guys, come to pray. And nobody came. And what I witnessed was the growth of those who've been coming Friday mornings. Let me just tell you, it, it showed me, man, our Friday morning people, they've been growing in prayer. They've been growing in prayer. And then on Thursday night, the people who prayed most often were the people who also attend Friday morning. So let me just tell you, if you're hungry for prayer, if you raised your hand, you want to be a prayer person, I, it's a literal training ground for how to pray. And I want to invite you to attend one or the other, but be consistent because you will grow. You will grow. So if you need to move some stuff around to make it happen, get some child care. Um, actually, Thursday night, there were several kids there with us. Lots of kids there, and it was beautiful. So just bring your kid, bring some snacks, maybe an iPad. Like, do what you got to do. Get into prayer, okay? It's going to be every week um, during this 40 days of Lent, and it's going to be awesome, okay? So building a house of prayer. We're going to move. Ready? You guys can, um, you can follow the notes. They're on the Church Center app. If you click down to the More tab, you can find it there. You can just do the old-fashioned kind. I take notes in my phone, um, like in my notes, so I have all my church notes there. Just take some notes. It helps you stay engaged, okay? Because um, I'm not that entertaining. Ready? So building a house of prayer requires us to, number one, pray for our cities, okay? If we're going to move, if we've got to get out of the, the one move that we know about praying for our own security, our own family, our own meals, um, we got to start to look out, Okay, we got to start to look out and start to pray for some things that are happening outside of our own homes. And if, once we start to look out, let me tell you, your prayer list will just, it'll just get real long. Once you start to pray for your city, you will have, you'll have like never-ending lists of prayer because we get to stand in the gap for all the issues, all of the issues. There's not an issue on earth that we don't, um, that we can't contend for, not a single issue. Not a single people group, not a single area. We get to pray for it all. So we get to be people who stand in the gap. In Scripture, it showed us many, many times where the Lord was about to lay across or lay out his wrath on a city. The wrath of God is something that must be studied, okay? It's not just Old Testament stuff. It still exists, right? Like we can't just be like, oh, God used to be wrathful. Now he's nice. No, the wrath of God exists, right? So you should know about the wrath of God. And the wrath of God, he was always threatening, like, hey, this city's too much. I'm about to lay my wrath, right? And then there would be a person, a people maybe, a family, and they'd be like, wait, God, what if you find a couple good people, right? That, that pause, that raising your hand, being like, wait, God, can you have mercy? 
that is interception, or um, that's like interception, right? Like something was about to be thrown out, and you're getting in the middle of it. You're catching it before it lands where it belongs, right? That's, that's intervening style prayer. And for our cities, we get to be an intervention style prayer, where we get to get in between the, the evil works of the enemy and sometimes the judgment of the Lord. We get to, we get to say, hey, Lord, um, how about you bless this city? How about, you, how about you create some opportunities for this city? We get to kind of turn the tide of whatever the plan was based on the brokenness of the people themselves. You know, like sometimes it's like, um, like my kids, when they do something bad, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, you're forgiven, but I'm gonna let you have the consequences. You know, I say that all the time, like you get to have your consequences <laughs> because you did this thing. Well, we are in the place where we are actually trying to contend against the consequences of people's brokenness. We're standing in the gap, right? We're standing in the middle. And we do that with repentance, humility, and intercession. And it's continuous, okay? So we get to save a city from um, hell's destructive powers. There's a guy in the Bible, his name's Nehemiah, and we're going to go through a huge chunk of this scripture. But because there's a prayer in here that I help gives us a little bit of a format for how we can be praying for other people, okay? So it's um, starting in Nehemiah. We're going to start chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2. Hen and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the other men, and I questioned him, them, about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So at this point in history, let me just tell you guys, at this point in history, um, the Israelite people, they had, they had broken the covenant. So God and them had this promise. They broke their side of the bargain, and the consequences was um, them being dispersed. They got, they got conquered by all of these other people groups, and so they were spread out. But there was a remnant, a small group of people who were still in their original land, and that's who he's asking about. He's like, hey, I'm one of the ones that got snatched up and took to another place. How are the people who survived, and they're on the other land? So he's asking about his hometown. Verse 3 says, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, now here's the prayer. We're going to go through it bit by bit and I'm going to pause and kind of identify a piece of the prayer as we, and how we can use it for ourselves. So in the very beginning he says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. So right there, he starts the prayer with praise. And this is what I love about this prayer is that he's going to the Lord because he's got an agenda. He's going to the Lord because he's got a big need. He's going to the Lord because he has a sorrow. And no, ma- no matter the agenda or the thing he knows he's going to get to, he's disciplined and revering God enough to start with praise. Okay? And actually, there was a season in my life, and this is where I can track my own growth, is there's a season in my life where I didn't know how to stay in praise when I was praying, I would, I would sit and I'd be like, you know, I'm going to do, I had this like little thing I was tracking. I was like, I'm gonna do five minutes of praise. Right. And then I'm going to move to the next part. Anybody else growing in prayer this way? Like that's how I grow. I'm like going to do like pushups for a certain amount of time. I do that with prayer. So I'm going to do five minutes of praise and then move on. So it was super hard for me to stay in praise because my gut says, my heart says, my distractions say, go ahead and go to your requests. Okay. So I would start with praise and be like, God, you're so great. And I really need you. (laughs) I would go there so fast. It was very hard. I mean, it probably took months of me, like, with a timer, like, don't get out of praise <laughs> until the timer goes. Like, because it was, it was like I couldn't, I wouldn't start there. I wanted to just get to the business. 
I wanted to get to the thing that I wanted to. But Nehemiah shows us a better way. He shows us that no matter the work set before us, no matter the load, no matter the sorrow, we can come to the Lord with praise. And there's something that shifts in our heart when we recognize that even if I'm coming to the Lord because I have a need, I can come to the Lord and honor him because of who he is. Okay? Who he is doesn't change because of why I'm praying. Who he is supersedes all of that. So we start with praise. Continuing on. Uh, Let me start from the beginning of the prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So here... Nehemiah is doing the work of reminding himself and maybe even reminding God of God's nature. How is God? So sometimes, like if I was, um, there was a, a long season where we were not, we did not have enough um, money to make our bills go away, right? <laughs> like we were, we were kind of um, backwards as far as how many bills we had, how much money we made. So I was going to the Lord often because I was stressed out about that, right? So I was going to the Lord because we didn't have enough. So I was going to the Lord, and part of the discipline of going to the Lord to ask for him to give me some more money or some more whatever was a recognition of who I'm asking. I'm asking a God who cares. I'm asking a God who has the abundance of heaven, right? And so even in my place of, like, poverty or my place of of lack and my place of need, I had to go and remember the only reason I get to ask God is because he's a God of plenty. He's a God of provision. He's a God who cares. He's a God who actually already knows what my bank account looks like, and he wants to make a way. I believe that God wants to make a way. So in my prayers, I would tell myself by praying it out loud, this is who God is. He doesn't want me to struggle. He doesn't want me to be in, you know, like, that's not what he he wants for me. That's where I am, but I'm going to go to a God who is my provider, okay? And so in that moment, you can, you can remind yourself in your prayers and therefore remind God his nature. And that's what Nehemiah does right here. It's quite beautiful. Verse 6, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servants praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins We Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Here he is laying down a heart of repentance. And his repentance is not just for himself. It's for the we. It's for his community. He doesn't even live with them, but he's counting himself as we. And I think that that's really crucial because sometimes we, we pray that God would forgive them. <laughs> I love to assume that they are more wicked than me. But when you start to pray for a we forgiveness, would you forgive us? Tucking myself up underneath the, the potential object of that wrath. Man. It's humbling. And when I pray we prayers of forgiveness, when I pray we prayers of, not we small, but like collective prayers of repentance, it keeps me humble. Man, because I can become really high and mighty and assume that they need and not me. So there's something about this that's so beautiful to, to recognize. So when I'm playing, praying for people who are homeless, I say, Lord, our people are hurting You know what I mean? Like using some different language to not disassociate myself from the people that I feel are broken, right? So I'm using we language and repentance language about us as a community. Verse 10. They're your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, 
Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor and the presence of this man. There is his request. I need a win here, God. I'm going to go before the king. Will you help me out? I need him to give me what I need. Okay? And then the last line is, I was cut bare to the king. So that lets us know that he has this information. He has this burning desire to see change happen, and he's got a position. And he uses that position. Um, he goes through this process of prayer, and he uses that position to contend for his people. And it's quite beautiful. Continuing on in verse, or chapter 2. We're just going to read just a little bit more. Um, let's see. Verse 2. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors were buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? What I love about this is it says I was very much afraid. And he still went and told the king. And there's so many moments that the Lord is going to ask you to do some things or he's going to put something on your heart and we're going to be afraid to do it. And sometimes when we pray, I'll pray it all the time, like, Lord, help me to not be afraid. He doesn't always, <laughs> he doesn't always take away the fear, right? But he gives me a grace to go and worship, to go and serve, to go and be obedient, even though I'm still afraid. Okay? So it's not always without fear. It's not always without worry. It's not always with this boldness that is an absence of fear. It's with fear he declared before the king his need. So the king said in verse 4, the king says, what is it that you want? He prayed to the God of heaven yet again, and then he answered the king, if it pleases the king, your servant has found favor in the sight. Let him send me to the city where my ancestors are buried. So then he continues on, and he, he continues to ask for things for the king. And he said, not only can I go and help, but will you pay for it? And the king's like, yup. And he just gives it to him, so his prayer worked. Amen. <laughs> so here's what I know, that as people who pray for our cities, we have to have a heart for our people. Do you have a heart for your city? It's a sobering thought to me because I know sometimes I don't. I know sometimes when I drive by, I live in Hanford, and so your city, you just say whatever, Kingsbury, Lamore, wherever your city is. I know sometimes I drive by and I see problems, right? I see issues. I can experience like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid being in this part of the town. You know what I mean? Like you can feel it. You can experience um, where things are not whole, where things are not good, where things are not healthy. And sometimes my desire is just to move out of that as fast as possible. <laughs> it's, not, it's not to fix it. And I believe that as a people of prayer, um, we can be like Nehemiah, where if we get a burning desire to pray for our cities, it's actually going to result in some solutions. I believe that we can be a people who, who, who we actually know how to, how to connect the dots between problem and solution. We will gain a new and fresh boldness to get out of our comfort zone and go and maybe contend for some people who don't know how to contend for themselves. I believe that the Lord can drop some miraculous solutions into the minds of prayerful people. I believe that a miraculous provision can be um, supplied by the king of heaven. And I believe that that which used to take a whole heck of a long time 
to create in the hands of a people who pray can happen in a day. Because I see what happened with Nehemiah. The city, the city wall that he went to go fix, it had taken a whole bunch of years to build, and it was destroyed. And so everybody was making fun of him for even wanting to try to rebuild it because the task was too big. There was, there was a whole bunch of people who all of a sudden started saying, look at Nehemiah and his crew. Aren't they idiots? They don't even know what they're doing. They just started getting all of these insults because the thing that they were asking for was too big. But in 52 days, they were able to rebuild the wall. And that's only because the Lord made a way. It's only because the Lord made a way. And so when I see this story of how Nehemiah took the impossible, he took it before the Lord, and the Lord gave him provision. He gave him authority. He gave them access. He gave him resources. He gave him plans. It gave him a crew. It gave him everything that he needed, and the city walls were rebuilt. And so sometimes when I just drive by a person who's on drugs, or I drive by what I witness is probably some human trafficking going on, or I just drive by, I can just drive by, and instead of having a burning desire for my my own safety, if I pause and I pray, I believe the Lord is going to start giving prayer warriors some prayerful solutions. I believe for some prayerful connections. I'm going to believe for some prayerful resources. And as we sit and just pray over our list of the things that are wrong with our city, I believe the Lord's going to start to change some things. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because I believe that what took years to get as broken as it is in the hands of the Lord, it can take days to fix. Okay? So we can't, we can't be stuck by the reality of brokenness. We have to be inspired by the treasures of heaven that is at our fingertips when we, when we pray for a city. When we pray for a city. So I just want, let's just, everybody just pause right now, bow your heads, close your eyes, pray for your city. So my God, I pray, Father, for Kings County. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who provides. You are a God who transforms. You are a God who makes all things new. And I pray, Father, that you would inspire us to start to make a list of the broken things, my Lord. I pray that this would be a place of healthy families, that divorce would just dry up, shrivel up, that it wouldn't happen in this square footage in Jesus' name, that we would be a people where sexual function dies in Jesus name that we would be a people where violence is just frustrated violence can't happen in our county in Jesus name in Jesus name number two building a house of prayer requires us to pray against the gates of hell what a statement what a statement this is another dance right it's another genre we can pray for a city but we can pray against the gates of hell because there is an unseen underworld, okay? So it's not like actually beneath us, but it's under our ability to see. Because we can see, I can see, you know, um, I can see addiction. I can see greed. You can see those things. But there is a spiritual side of all of that, okay? And it lies unseen. And when we pray, when we pray, we actually impact things unseen, okay? And this requires faith. I believe it requires a little understanding, um, and a little bit of action to go along with it. But there are powers of um, the government of hell that are trying to attack the church and all of God's plans, okay? And so I imagine, I'm like a visual person, right? Like I, I am a, I, I think in pictures, I read scripture in pictures. And so I just imagine the evil one. How do you guys imagine the devil? I imagine the devil. And I imagine his, um, his schemes, like he's in this disgusting, foul, dark, um, like whatever the worst version, I think about like literally the bottom of a trash can, an old, juicy, garbage-filled trash can. Like he lives there. 
and he is writing out plans um, of how his agents of evil can come and wreck your life. That's what he spends his days doing. And through our prayers, we can stop him. <laughs> That's all we got to do, right? We can pray and stop him. But it's almost like we've been given the shield and we've been given the weapon, but we refuse to know how to use it. We want to have a really nice meal. That's my prayer. Okay? God has given us prayer to confuse and frustrate the plans of the enemy. And let me, I, I prayerfully writ, wrote down a list of some of the issues that I think the author of lies is writing for us. Okay, so if he were to be writing like prescriptions, right? He's like, this is what I'm, this is what I got for the Fagundes family. This is what I got for the Cortez family. He's like writing out certain things, specifically knowing how you operate. He knows how you tick. He knows what'll trump you up. He knows what's gonna keep you from believing in Jesus. He knows what's gonna keep you from saying yes to your destiny in Christ. And he's writing it out and saying, okay, you go get him. Okay, he is actively doing this. While you sleep, he's still working. And so here's some things that I think he has written out for our, our place, for our community. And these are the things that are on my list as I pray against the, the gates of hell. These are the specifics that I get into. Okay, I'm just giving you, this is what I pray about. This is what's on the list for me right now. And so one of the first things that I consistently pray about is our identity. Because I believe that the enemy of our souls has written out some, um, some identity theft prescription so that you would not know who you are. And you would not know whose you are. You would not know your authority in Christ. And you wouldn't know your belonging in his family. And when we are orphaned by a lie put in our mind and in our hearts by the enemy, we do really weird things. Okay? We do really weird things. And the enemy's just like, yeah, look at them. Look how lost they are because they don't know who they are anymore. I stole their identity. And so right now, as I'm praying against the gates of hell, I'm praying for a reminder of who we are in Jesus, a refreshing of our identity, that a new declaration of who we are would rise up inside of us as a church, as a body of Christ, that we would know that we are souls, we are hearts, we are bodies, all covered by the blood of Jesus. We are royalty in the heavenly realms, that we are advocates for change in our community. We are absolutely adopted into son and daughtership into the kingdom of God. We belong. And there's nothing about my identity that can say otherwise. Otherwise, it's a lie. And I just pray that we would have, a, uh, we would have the ability to pray um, frustration into that script that the Lord has written over us. And if that's something that you have adopted, I've adopted it many times, a, a false sense of identity. I have gotten a lot of my identity from my success. And I know that that's a lie from the enemy. It's not all negative. Sometimes it's like a twisted positive. Like, look, you have a lot of money. That's why you're valuable. That's a lie about your identity. So just be thoughtful about what identity lies you have believed about yourself or you have, um, that you have uh, backed up from the enemy into the people that you're inspired to minister to. Number two is sexual dysfunction. I believe that the enemy has done such a work and us and as a people as far as sexual dysfunction goes. There's something so normal about promiscuity that I know grieves the heart of the Father. We don't, I mean, even in the church, I pray with people often who have been made fun of by people in the church for the desire to stay pure before marriage. 
and it grieves the heart of the Father. A sexual dysfunction. The Lord has given us a way to be pure and a way to use our bodies, and we are very, very broken there. Very, very broken. And it's sobering. So I just want to challenge us that we would say no more. I'm not going to entertain that anymore. And it's almost like it's been this slow drip from the day we were born because of entertainment, because of pornography, because of things passed on to us from our parents. You know, like so many things of dysfunction, it's just kind of like it's so normal. We've been swimming in it. We don't even notice how broken it is. And it's an area of distraction. It's an area of pain. And the enemy is reveling in it. And I want to be wise to it. And I want to pray against it. The next thing that I believe that the enemy has written out for us is spiritual mixture. He's like, oh, so Jesus said he's the only way. I'm going to make him believe that he can be one of the ways or he can be a way with some other things. And so I hear some people who are like a little bit experimenting with some other, you know, spiritual influences. We live in a world where, man, our, um, our young people are so spiritually hungry. Praise God but they are being fed a whole lot of different options. And there's being fed a whole lot of different options with Jesus, right? Like there's this, there's this concept out there. It's like, you know, he's not the only way, right? There's a little bit of a question mark, just like the enemy did, the father of lies did to Eve. Like, is that really what he said? There's this, there's this little, just a twisting of the spiritual um, hunger that this generation is feeling. And it's just like, it's okay. Go ahead and look, go ahead and see, go ahead and experiment. That tarot card reading won't hurt you. You know what I mean? Like there's just, it's just a little twisting of it. It's like, you can be a Christian and go ahead and experiment, you know, with that kind with the Ouija board. It's just fun. It's just a sleepover. It's just whatever. You know what I mean? Like the spiritual mixture is the work of the enemy. Okay. And so we have to be praying against it. Um, abuse of power. I think particularly in places of leadership. When you have authority over people, the greed inside of us says we want more. And you kind of, you can, you can um, potentially leverage your position over people in order to get more in a way that's not holy. So I'm praying that the enemy would not be able to corrupt power or leadership or government. Um, a false sense of time. The enemy has given us a false sense of time. So we sit apathetic. Apathetic means we basically sit and we're like, it's fine. It can be done later. Like, it's all okay. It's not that bad. We're all okay. It's not that big a deal. Apathy. And I would say, like, Fort Kings County, that's the particular stronghold that the enemy has on us. We, we kind of tend to be an apathetic people, and I say no more. We are people who've got some fire. We've got, we've got some urgency. We've got some gifts. We've got some resources. We're not a, po we're not a poor people where we just got to sit and let time go by and just do as, be as comfortable as we can till the end. We are people who can make some, some, some waves in the spirit world. We don't have to be apathetic to the work of the enemy anymore in Jesus' name. We can be a people. We no longer need to procrastinate prayers. We no need to, we no longer need to procrastinate teachings because we feel like we're not that good. We don't need to hold back the things that God has for us today because we're assuming we're going to be better at it tomorrow. I think right now that we as a people in Kings County, I believe that Koinonia specifically, we're going to bring some creative arts. We're going to bring some, some unique things to this county that's going to be a beacon of light that reminds people that doesn't matter where they're from. It just, remember, it just matters whose they are. And we can all be a people of heaven. We get to be a people connected 
connected to the gates of heaven, receiving all of the good things, receiving all of the good things. We don't have to be an apathetic people just sitting watching the clock tick by. Two more things. The enemy has written a script for us to abdicate our authority. We give away our, 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 our vote all the time. We allow the enemy to make choices too much, and we just let it happen instead of saying, actually, I can be involved. I can say something about that. And last but not least, one of the scripts of the enemy is the idolatry of comfort. And that just says, if it makes me uncomfortable, it's probably not from the Lord. I think that's such a bold-faced lie. And I hear it all the time that we're like, well, he will make me feel really good about it, and then I'll go do it. Or that the goal of all of your life is for you to get all the good things and be, like, super comfy all the time. Like, that's not the goal. God is not primarily interested in us being comfortable. He's primarily interested in him being glorified. And sometimes that requires a sacrifice, which usually requires some fire, which is always hot, and it burns stuff off of us. And that is uncomfortable. So if we get more refined by the fire of God, as we spend more time in prayer, it will not be more comfortable. You may be more comfortable with those things, right? Like you might get more comfortable in prayer. Like when Pastor Chad or whoever says, go ahead and break it up, you know, talk with your neighbor. I'm still really nervous about that, guys. Like I'm on staff, I pray, I do it all the time. But man, when Chad says, go ahead and pray with your neighbor, I'm like, I hope my neighbor is Caitlin Fagundes because I know her. <laughs> and if it's anybody else, I'm going to sweat. You know, like I just get so nervous. Like it doesn't go away. Okay. So it's not always about being comfortable, even though I'm comfortable with praying. Right. Can you do things like Nehemiah who said, I was afraid and I went before the king. I was afraid, and I went before the king. Go ahead and get your cards out. There's some more notes. You guys can read them. But we're going to be a people who know how to pray for our cities. The last note, um, the last big note was about praying for hedges, hedges to be rebuilt. Those are walls of protection around those we serve and love, minister to. I really do believe that like even like those faces that came before my face this morning as I was praying, I can pray hedges of protection over those people. I can pray that, man, if that person's driving right now, Lord, would you protect them while they're driving? I can pray those things. And the Lord hears me because I'm his daughter. And he loves me. And if my prayers are in line with his will, man, who knows? So with this card, I want you guys to write down four different words, four different categories we're just going to spend a couple more minutes. You're going to write down a people. You're going to write down a people. And then underneath that, like the next line, write a person. And then underneath that, you're going to write a place. And then underneath that, you're going to write a power. If it's possible, can you guys get all four of those on one slide? I should have asked for that first service. but And what you're going to do is you're going to go over each one. We're going to spend a few minutes. You're going to think of a people. God gives us each kind of a prompting in our own heart. So if we all do this, we're going to cover a lot of people, praise God. They're going to be different. Your people are going to be different than my people, and that's intentional. That's the way the Lord uses church. So if I were to write a people, 
right? The first one, it's a people. The people that I often pray for, I often pray for law enforcement. I pray for law enforcement daily. That's a people group. I pray for high school students almost every day. That's a people, okay? So what people, what group of people can you name that you want to pray for? Hey, I, I often pray for transgendered people. My heart burns for them. So I'm praying for transgendered young people often, right? So who is your people that you're going to be praying for? Then a person, that's just a name, right? That's the name of an actual person that you know. So you can write maybe your kid's name. You can write your coworker, maybe your dad. Who's the person that the Lord is telling you you need to pray for this week? Then you're going to write down a place. You can write Hanford, you can write Lamore, but you can also write Woodrow Wilson. That's one of my places. Since we did, um, we did that prayer walk a while ago. Man, the Lord has not let me not pray for that school. Every time I drive by, I pray for that school. My kids don't even go there, but I pray for that school. You can pray for a country. I pray for Ethiopia often. Okay, where's the place? And then last but not least, a power. A power is like um, something that the enemy would use to destruct or to destroy things. And so an example, one of the powers that I pray against, I pray, I pray against divorce often. You'll hear me pray about it all the time. I pray against divorce. It's a power of the work of the enemy to hurt families. So I pray against it. Um, I pray against addiction all the time because I see how much it wrecks so many areas. So I pray against addiction. It's a power. Pray against greed. That's a power. So write your things down real quick, and then we're going to stand. Once you've written them down, go ahead and stand so I know. It's <laughs> like a test. Don't just stand. Write your things down. Write your things down. Once you're standing, just start praying. keep writing. I'm going to go ahead and pray because we're out of time. My Lord, I thank you, God, for putting things on our hearts, for speaking to us today. I thank you, God, that you are the God of all creation. You are a God who's so massive. You're so powerful, and yet you're so involved. I thank you, Lord, that we're not wasting our time right now. I thank you, God, that I can write down very specific things, my Lord, and you move. And I pray, Father, for Kings County. I pray for people who are hurting, my Lord. Would you move, my God? I pray for the brokenhearted, my Lord. Would you be their savior, God? Would you be their comforter, my Lord? And ultimately, Lord, I do pray for us as prayer warriors. Would you call us in? Would you call us to the floor, my God? Would you help us, Lord, to establish a heart and a, a regular discipline of prayer? That we would not abdicate our authority. We wouldn't throw away our weaponry, God. That we want to just put our weaponry down when there are battles to be fought and won for the kingdom. My Lord, I believe that we are victorious, but I also know that we are in partnership with that victory coming to reality. My Lord, help us, Lord, to be in healthy partnership, to not overassume our role, but to absolutely be on the front lines. In Jesus' name, would you call us into prayer? Remind us, just bug us, my God, that we would be on our knees. We would be in our journals. We would be speaking as we drive. My Lord, would you give us a heart 
for prayer. And I pray for miracles. My Lord, I pray for miracles as this house just starts to keep digging in, as we keep praying, as we keep contending, that there would be miracle upon miracle in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys are so good. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can join us in person on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. or online at the same times, including Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Visit our website at kchamford.com. Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all.